Well, good morning, church. It is, uh, it's really good to see you in, yeah, there you go. We got one. Perfect. Everybody else is like, uh, feelings not mutual. Uh, so cool. Good. All right. Good. Yeah. I'll cry about that later. Um, kidding. I'm joking. In Romans, uh, the book of Romans, if you're familiar with the Bible, Paul is writing to a, a group of believers who are in Rome. And these group of believers are being tortured and killed on display for their belief. And it is in the most cruel and the most devastating of ways. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says something so profound. He says, listen, if you're a part of the way, if you're, if you're a Christ follower, then your responsibility is to rejoice with those who are rejoicing and to mourn with those who are mourning. And that's where we have been this week. And I don't care if you are a person who identifies as a Democrat or Republican. I, I, I don't even care where you fall in line as where what you believe are gun rights or gun control or not or, or whatever. What I do know is what God's word points us to is that we're a people who have compassion on other people. So when they mourn, we mourn with them. That's our first instinct. When people are rejoicing, we're right there to lift them up. And when they are crashing down, we are standing right beside them. That's, that's our go-to. That's the thing we do first and foremost. And so Wellhouse, that's, that's what we want to be about. And on the screen today, well, we have a, a list of some names of folks we should have there. Maybe it's coming up. No, it is not coming up, but it might be. We're going to get there. There it is. Perfect. And these are people this week who passed away in a tragic um, event. And there are many other people in this world who passed away. There are many other people in this world this week who went through hard things, and I'm not so oblivious to think that maybe this week you've been wrestling through your own grief in many different ways and over many different things. And so if that's you, and I want you to know that the God who spoke the world into existence, the, the God who said, let there be light, and there was, the God who formed mankind out of dust of the ground, the, the God who shaped all of history is close to you today, and he designed a church to stand with you, and that's exactly what we do. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. So would you join me in prayer today? God, it's at a time like this week, it's another reminder that there is evil all around us. 
that this world is not our home, that we are merely just passing through And God, that you have called us in this world while we are here to be salt and light. And so God, help us do that. With everything we have inside of us, help us to be salt and light. God, we're so, sometimes we're, we're quick to jump onto things that are just not you. And God, help us root ourselves in the gospel. Help us root ourselves in the life of Jesus so that everything we do and everything we say and every action that we take helps to point out the evil around us and point people back to you. And God, help us to mourn with those who are mourning, those who are grieving so heavily today, who've woken up today and their life is just wrecked. God, may we be the people who are willing to set everything else aside and sit with them and love them. Because we're reminded in the gospel that beauty comes from ashes. And so we pray that that's exactly what you show us through this. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I hope you're excited to be here. If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, this series in Galatians has been good for me. I hope it's been good for you. I'm not going to ask any more questions today, just in fear of, they're like, not really. Um, so <laughs> it's been really good for me. So I'll just tell you that it's been really good for me. And I'm really glad to be a part of the church here at Wellhouse. There's so many people who are serving in so many different ways. I, 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 I would, I, I can't even begin to name them all, but I think about the various people who are in and out of helping our kids understand who God is and, who, and how Jesus lived and how he wants to work through their lives. And so there's so many people who pour and invest week after week into those. I think about people like Cindy Edens, right, who, who, is, who is starting up this new ministry to kind of reach out and help people where they are and, and remind them that, that we love them, the church loves them. People who come on sad, late Saturday, Saturday night to set things up or early Sunday morning. There's so many people who invest and we, that is, that's the church. That's the church using the gifts that you have to serve the body of Christ and those around us. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's really, uh, as we kind of look at the church, this, this is Paul, uh, as he reaches out to the church in Galatia, he's writing to a body of believers, right? And, and as we've been looking at that over the last couple of, of weeks together, uh, we've kind of summarized every week as we've gone along the, the first week that the gospel is the gospel because it doesn't depend on you. And that's the wonderful thing about it. No matter how great you think you are or how terrible you think you are, are or where you fall in between. The gospel is the gospel because it does not depend on you. The second week we talked about this idea that the gospel is a gospel of unity, not uniformity. And that's good news because we're never going to think alike, right? We're never going to be exactly the same on our politics. We're never going to be exactly the same on how we think things should function or, you know, our beliefs or we're, we're going to read a scripture and I'm going to say, oh man, I think it says this. And you're going to say, wow, where are you at? Because I'm pretty sure it says this right here. You know, we're, we're going to look at those things. We're never going to see eye, eye to eye on those things. But 
But through the gospel, we're reminded, listen, we're a body. There's going to be many different parts. But how we come together in unity is that we're lifting up one name. And that is the gospel. It's a gospel of unity. Week three, we talked about this idea of legalistic faith. Legalistic faith is really this faith that you earn on your own, that, that through enough achievements and through enough good works and through enough kind of refining your life and doing all the right things in all the right places at the right times, that somehow you've obtained salvation. That's legalistic faith. And we said that legalistic faith will leave you, uh, either leave you bitter or betrayed, but it won't leave you saved. It'll leave you, either leave you bitter, meaning that, listen, there's no way I'm going to measure up. There's no way I'm going to be good enough. I'm never going to keep up with the Joneses at all. And so I might as well just quit now and be bitter about it. Or it's going to leave you betrayed, thinking that somehow you can actually check off all the barks and you're going to be good enough. You're going to finally obtain what, what, couldn't, what nobody else could obtain. So it'll either leave you bitter or it'll leave you betrayed, but it won't leave you saved. Last week, we talked about this idea that freedom, uh, that, that Paul talks about all the way through the book of Galatians, that we're free in Christ. And then we talk about this idea, you know, we're, we're the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we talk about freedom and we watch movies, freedom. You know, we think about all those things that, that, that come to mind when we talk about freedom. But most of the time, when we talk about freedom, we talk about an absence of restrictions. I'm free to do whatever I want to do. But here's the problem with that. We talked about this last time that whenever you get the opportunity to do whatever you want to do, how many times you look back in your life and you think, oh man, I might have I bumbled that one a bit. Man, if I could just go back with all that freedom and choose something different, I would have I texted something different. I would have said something different. I, I wouldn't have opened, I wouldn't have started that conversation. I, I should have ignored him or her. I, I should have never done those things because I had so much freedom, but I chose poorly. See, freedom is not the absence of restriction. Freedom is the the absence of regret. And you never know that until you have regret. And regret is something that you and I wind up living with and learning to live with for a lifetime. Freedom is the absence of regret. Paul continues this idea of freedom throughout all of Galatians, but certainly into chapter number five, as he begins to talk about how we use our freedom. All right, God gives you freedom. Now, what do you do with it? Well, how does that work in the life of a believer? You just get to kind of get to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. What does that look like? Well, let's open up, if you have your Bible, to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. If you want to follow along, flip over, paper, copy, scroll open on, on your phone. This is what it says, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit 
And you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what's contrary to flesh. And they're in conflict with each other, so you're not able to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Paul warns in this section of scripture right here that freedom can be self-serving or it can be others serving. You can use the freedom that you have to say like, woohoo, this is, this is going to be all about me time. Man, this is finally like, this, it's almost like a free Saturday. You ever get, I don't ever get those, but a free Saturday would be like, I get to sleep in. I'm going to catch up on all the you know, documentaries on Netflix or binge watch all the show. And it's, I'm going to eat whatever I want because calories don't count on my free day. And then I'm going to go to bed whenever I want to, maybe watch a movie. And that's going to be my free, because guess what? On a Free day, free means it's about me. And Paul says you have to be careful because freedom can either be all about you or you can use your freedom to make it all about somebody else. Paul describes the sinful nature or flesh and don't be confused. He's not talking about your epidermis is really a gravitational pull towards self. Paul discusses this in almost every letter that he writes to a church. And one of my favorite examples of this is, is really found in Romans chapter 12. It's, it's a passage that has stuck with me for uh, quite a long time. It starts in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, of all the things that God has done for you, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper form of worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stop right there and ask yourself the question, what is Paul talking about when he says the pattern of this world? What's the pattern of the world? I remember when Zeta, my oldest, uh, who's now 20, when she was in preschool, I remember taking her home one day and, and she goes, there's a pattern. It's an A-B pattern. This is what she says. This is an A-B pattern. I said, what's an A-B pattern? She says, you know, it's like red, white, red, white, red, white. I'm like, that's cool. You learned something at school. That's good. That's good. So, so we start driving down the road, and all of a sudden she's like, there's an A-B pattern, and there's an A-B pattern, and there's an A-B pattern. And all, all the way home, we discovered that there was patterns all around us. And Paul says, listen, there's a pattern to this world. And my question is, what is it? And before you jump to the church answer of, it's sin. I want you to wrestle in that for just a moment. Because Paul's going to describe exactly what the pattern of the world is if you listen carefully. He says, then you're going to be able to know. Once you, once you identify the pattern of the world, you transform your mind, then you're going to be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. And now he's going to describe what the pattern is. But you've got to listen carefully. He says, for the grace given to me, I say every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. 
For just as each of us has one bar, uh, body with many parts or many members, and each of these members don't have all the same function, so it is in Christ. We, though many, form one body and each member belonging to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God has given us. And if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then let somebody encourage. And if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Paul is describing what's happening in the pattern of the world. And he says, listen, you're going to be able to test and approve what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is when you understand that the pattern of this world is you. When everything is about you, when it's all about, when you inflate yourself, when you make it all about you. And so you have to constantly check this. And he says, listen, don't conform to the pattern of this world thinking it's all about you or you got to have it your way. Rather, transform your mind. And he says you do this by, by putting, by, by recognizing other people and their gifts and their talents and their abilities in the different way that God has made them and you work with them, which means you have to oftentimes de-elevate yourself so you can elevate other people around you. This is Paul talking about the pattern of this world. There's this gravitational pull that continues to tell us that life is about us. And here's the thing. If you are not intentional, your life will default to selfishness. I want you to think about this, those of you who have had children before. You bring this wonderful, sweet baby home, right? And those of you who have been parents, you know, by the time you bring them home from the it's a cruelest joke. You bring them home from the hospital and you are completely exhausted. And then this baby just doesn't sleep for very long at all, right? And then it's like, you got to feed it, you got to change it, put it down for a couple hours and you got to do it over and then you're thinking, like, when do we get eight hours of good, solid sleep? And the doctor's like, well, that won't happen until they're like 23. And you're like, oh, cool. That's good. As I was hoping, I'd have a 23-year break in between all of that. What's interesting is the baby, when it's hungry, it will... There you go. Some of you had kids. And when, and when the baby needs changed, it will... Yeah, yeah. And when it's hungry, it's going to... Right, because it's letting you know that its world revolves around it being content. And those of us who try to be good parents, what do we do? As they grow up, we say, listen, it can't all be your way, right? But for some of us in adulthood, we still really want it our way. We still really want everything to go our way, and we get so upset. When it isn't, you know how I know this? Because I've waited in line with you. It wasn't you, but it might as well have been you. I waited in line with you, and the line was so long, and you were so ticked. And people were driving crazy. The traffic was slowed down. It took way longer than you thought it was, and all of a sudden, it just ticked you right on off. All of a sudden, you're on edge because things weren't going your way. You had plans, and all of a sudden, they kind of came crashing down. It didn't work out the way that you had thought, and all of a sudden, it just sent you into a tizzy. 
You thought, man, what do I do? It didn't go my way. See, there's this constant gravitational pull that says, with the freedom that I have in Christ, or with the freedom that I have in the world, it's going to be about me. And Paul says, listen, if you're not intentional, you will live a life that is selfishly about you, and it's the pattern of the world. He says, don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. Galatians chapter 5, starting again in verse 19, he says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, all the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not enter the kingdom of God. Paul says, listen, there's a, there's a way that we can live into our freedom. Man, that's so far away from God. But he says this in a really unique way. He says that the acts of the sinful nature, the acts of the flesh, this acts of it's me, it's constantly me, it's filling me up, it's what I want, it's obvious. But here's what I found it's always obvious when it's not me. But when it's me, it's not as obvious. Have you ever sat in a, in a movie and it was a scary movie? How many of you like scary movies? Two of us, cool. Three of us, all right, perfect. Um, if, uh, but how, Okay, maybe I asked the wrong question. How many of you have seen a scary movie? There we go. I uh, See, I just asked the wrong question. That's on me, that's not on you. When you were sitting and you were watching the scary movie, was there a time where you're like, listen, dude, do not open that door. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't open the door. We all know what's behind the door. Why don't you know what's behind the door? Don't do it. Why are you going to do that? You're still going to do this. It's taking forever to make the world's worst decision. You're going to be killed, right? Because we can see the bad thing that it's obvious, right? It's obvious to everybody in the theater. That's why everybody's sometimes like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They did it. Good grief. And Paul says, man, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious, except for it's not obvious to us. And I think there's a reason. I think it's because we like to fool ourselves. I think we like to fool ourselves. Let me know if this sounds like you sometimes. You buy the gym equipment. <laughs> I already got you, didn't I? <laughs> you buy the gym equipment because you've told yourself, oh, listen, I'm totally going to do this at home. It's going to work. I'm, listen, I told my wife this a couple of years ago. For my birthday, I'm going to buy a treadmill because every day I'm going to run on that thing. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I'm going to run on it every day. I'm going to show you wrong. I ran out three times. I was like, that's enough for me. <laughs> every day is like three days. I mean, it's like that in heaven, right? I mean, one, one day is like a thousand years. So I ran out for 3,000 years or something like that. Isn't that funny? It's like saying, I'm just going to take one bite of dessert. Been there before? And next thing you know, the cake's gone, right? I mean, just, 
It's like saying, I'm going to just sit down for 10 minutes. See, we have in life, we, we love to fool ourselves. In fact, what I think is true is the easiest person in the world to fool is you. Because you will believe the lies that you want to hear. And Paul says, listen, this is really important because it's going to be obvious for everybody else. Oh, man, you're going down a wrong path. Oh, man, you really, really shouldn't do that. And you're going to tell yourself over and over again, it's okay. It's good because you want it to be good for you. And everybody else is hanging on the edge of their seat. They're like, don't do it. Don't do it. And you lie to yourself. It's okay. I have the freedom. I have the opportunity. I, I, get, I get to make the choice. And Paul says, you can't live into the spirit and live into the flesh at the same time. It, it contrasts. It goes against each other. And so you're either going to live into the spirit or you're going to live into you. And what are you going to do with your freedom? Paul's not done. He says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and you can probably say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, there is no law, or maybe better stated, you can't even law these things into practice, right? Imagine trying to write a law, legislate morality in some way that everybody has to be kind. How do you do that? Kindness comes from with it. Listen, we, what we need is we're going to somehow legislate in our land that everybody has to have self-control. You can't do that. You can't make a law for that. It would be nice and it would be great, but that's not where it comes from. Those who belong to Christ, this is where it comes from. The Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited or provoking and envying each other. Paul uses the end of Galatians as he wraps up his thought here to summarize a couple of important points. The first one is this idea of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And I think about this. I have a, an apple here. It's got a few bad spots. I'm not going to eat that thing. If it were a donut and had a few bad spots, I'd still try it. But um, <laughs> I'm just being honest, Okay. Um, and I think about this apple, and I would think to myself, okay, what if this represented, what if this represented peace? And then you looked at your life and said, you know what, I have peace, but what I'd also really need, what I recognize, and as I kind of read this list here, is that I need self-control. And so I'm just going to will this apple to duplicate itself so that now I have peace and then I have self-control. 
And that's a good start. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to will this apple to replicate itself, to have self-control and kindness, because my family probably deserves that I would be kind to them, right? And so I'm going to, I'm going to will it to just kind of keep re replicating itself. And then what I need to do is this apple is kind of, this apple of peace is kind of small. And right now I'm going through some really tough times. And so I need this apple to, to grow exponentially bigger so that I have a little bit more peace in my life. If I can just, if, like, why can't I, what do I do with this thing? I, I can't seem to like wish it or will it to replicate itself or to get any bigger. And Paul says, that's not what I told you it was. I told you it's a fruit of the Spirit. See, a fruit grows when it's cultivated by the Spirit. See, a fruit, it, it, this is just that. You just go and pick it, but fruit grows from a seed that's cultivated in time. It can't grow by itself. It can't will itself to be any bigger. It's dependent upon the seed and the soil. And here's the truth, that your life will not reflect the fruit of the Spirit apart from the cultivation and growth of the Spirit in your life. See, if you're trying to gain more peace and you're just like, all right, I'm gonna will myself to do it, or you're trying to gain self-control, you're like, all right, this week, self-control, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knuckle down, I'm gonna do this thing, and then at the end of the week, you're like, what happened? Because it's a fruit of the Spirit and it will not grow apart from the Spirit. You can't grow the things that are apart from the law outside of the Spirit of God. It's why we can't legislate morality. It's why we can't say, you know, it would sure be nice if everybody, you know, were kind and gentle and thoughtful and, and, and they, they practice self-control, but we can't do that because that's not the source of where it comes from. You hear what I'm saying? If you want to grow those things in your life, if you look at areas of your life, you're like, man, I would love, I would love to have more of my life look like that. And you have to root and cultivate your life in the spirit because that's where it grows. And here's the thing. If you see area, areas of your life that are growing other things, then Paul says you got to kill it at the root. Otherwise, it's going to keep coming back. We moved into our house in October and and there were thorn and thistle bushes everywhere. And to take the easy way out, I cut them down to the ground. What I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, right, is what are they doing? They're coming right back. And I mow over it with the mower because I'll show it. <laughs> and every week, it grows right back up. And I wonder sometimes if that's kind of what we don't do with our own heart. Like instead of, as Paul says, listen to the strong language of verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have underlined this, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm guessing I don't even have to know you well to know that there's something in your life that you've not crucified 
with its is this idea as he kind of closes out chapter five. He says that we need to stay in step with the spirit. And that helps us avoid this pattern of selfishness. Like if we stay in step with the Spirit, if we do what the Spirit tells us to do, then, then we stay in line with what God wants. And this kind of really is similar to Jesus' brother James as he writes uh, in James chapter 1. He, he throws out all kinds of amazing wisdom to the readers of his letter. And in James chapter 1, starting in verse 22, he says this, Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself, it goes away and completely forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. And Paul, or James writes this letter and he's describing something that's really interesting. It's, he's describing something that you and I see often. It's this, it's this idea of somebody looking into a mirror. And here's what I know, that all of you today looked in a mirror at some point in time before you showed up. I can tell that. Some of you, you looked at it longer. God bless you. Shortly after my wife and I were married, I discovered that my, my mother-in-law has an intent mirror, right? It, it, is, it is, as James says it, looking intently. And she left it in our bathroom, and I looked at this mirror, and I literally could see inside of my pores, right? I mean, it was just like, it was th things I never wanted to see, right? This idea of looking at ourselves. As James says, look at yourself until something changes. Don't look at yourself and say, yeah, it's the same mess that I wake up to every day. And then you, and you walk out the door and you go on with life as usual. And you say, you know, tomorrow or next week or next year or in six months from now, I'm going to do X. Paul said, no, 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 no. Stand in front of the mirror. Be honest with yourself and say, all right, listen, I need to see where I'm not really in line with the spirit. Man, I need to see the areas of my life where I've just been mowing down things, but it's cultivating all kinds of bad stuff for me. I need to see the areas of my life where I'm trying to will the spirit of God when he says, no, 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 it's gotta be cultivated in you. I need to see the areas of my life where I'm using freedom for me and not for other people. And James says, you have to be honest with yourself. Look intently in the mirror and don't move. Don't move until you're ready to do something about it. See, the first step towards a life in the Spirit is to be brutally honest about what's shaping your life right now. What's shaping you? What's cultivating you? What, what's, what's making your decisions? Is it busyness? Is it time? Is it the stage of life? We talk about that all the time, the stage of life I'm in. And it's shaping you. Maybe it's the past. Maybe it's burdens from the past. Maybe it's wounds from the past. Maybe it's grief. Listen, maybe it's selfishness all the way. And you're like, yep, that was me. 
What's shaping you right now? Look intently into it. And then don't move until you're ready to change. God, we love you. And we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the way in which it brings such clarity in a world that seems so foggy. In a world that seems so so much like, really like a pattern. We see the pattern. And it always points back to, am I happy? And God, we don't, we want to be less concerned with what makes us happy and more concerned with what makes us holy. So God, can we stand in front of the mirror? Eyes wide open not fooling ourselves and take a deep breath and be honest. Be honest about the things that we're living for and the things that we're allowing to grow that we don't want to even look at or address. And the areas in which we, we would love to be better at, but we haven't given the spirit opportunity to even begin to cultivate. And God, would you help us with this freedom that we have in you to not live for us, but to live for you and through that live for others. So God, this week, may we be people who rejoice with others who are rejoicing and grieve with those who are grieving. May we give and serve and love and forgive and give grace in profound and amazing ways because we have the freedom to do so. We're not bound by all the things we want. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And so it's through your son, Jesus, amazing, magnificent, holy, redeeming name that we pray.